Thank you, Parker and choir and instrumentalists for our beautiful worship this morning. Turn your Bibles to the Old Testament, to the major prophet, Jeremiah, Jeremiah, uh, chapter 29. The title of the sermon is Between Now and Then. Between Now and Then. A mother camel and her baby camel were talking one day, and the baby camel asked, Mom, why do we have these huge three-toed feet? Mother replied, to enable us to trek across the soft sands of the desert and not sink. Well, why do we have these long eyelashes, the baby camel asked. Well, that's to keep the sand out of our eyes when we're trekking across the dry desert. Well, Mom, asked the baby camel, why do we have these huge humps on our back? By now, the mother was a little impatient with the little guy and said, those are to help us store fat for the long treks across the desert. Okay, I get it, said the baby camel. We've got huge feet to keep us from sinking. We've got long eyelashes to keep the sand out of our eyes. We've got these humps so we can store up energy and go without water. But what I don't understand is this, why are we standing in the Toronto Zoo? Like that camel, the nation of Israel, as she examined who she was, her qualities and her attributes, had to be wondering, well, what are we doing here? Why are we in Babylon? Why are we here as God's people so far away from God's land? Why are we in exile, captured and deported? Jeremiah gives attention this morning to those of God's people who have been captured from the Holy Land and taken to Babylon. They had been defeated, captured, kidnapped, deported from their homeland in Judah and carried away to Babylon. They were exiled geographically. They were physically, literally, sort of prisoners of war. They were picked up and taken to a new place that was not their home. But there's more to exile than just geographical location, isn't there? It's not just a geographical phenomenon. It's a cultural phenomenon. They were in a new land with new traditions and new ways It's the loss of that structured, reliable world that you've come to grow fond of. You lose that framework and structure that has been treasured and trusted, that rhythm of life. They are God's people. They're not in God's place. They're in the wrong place. They're in exile. They're far away from home. Perhaps some of you here this morning could identify with those ancient Israelites Perhaps you too this morning feel like you are not where you need to be. You're not at home. Some would say this morning that you feel that you're in a foreign land. Some of you feel like exiles in the circumstances that are taking place in your life. There's been a a drastic change in who you are, maybe where you are. Like there's a death in your family a diagnosis, a really bleak prognosis, a family crisis, a a child who disappoints, a job that's not going well because of a merger. 
whatever it is this morning that makes you be between now and then in exile, you're no longer comfortable. You too feel like you've been captured, deported, and carried away to a new place of Babylon. That normalcy, we all love normalcy and rhythm in our lives, don't we? That normalcy is gone for you. You're hurt maybe this morning and you're angry and you're frustrated. And you know things will never ever be again exactly like they were. Perhaps you're here this morning, someone watching by way of television. You don't even know how you can get up tomorrow and how you can go on. You are in Babylon. You are in exile. You are a stranger here. It's not just geographical. It could be emotional, spiritual. And for others of you here this morning, maybe you've just moved to Amarillo or someone watching on television, you've just moved here to Amarillo and it it seems like a strange land and a strange place and you've lost your framework and you've lost your structure. It's different to you here. I was getting on a plane from San Antonio yesterday to get home to Amarillo and We were in Dallas first, and then we were boarding up to Emerald Plain, and it was packed like it always is. It was absolutely packed, and the guy behind me, obviously not one of us, made the comment to lay beside him, I can't imagine why all these people want to go to Amarillo. (laughs) I was remembering my Proverbs Sunday night series and trying to bite my tongue, but I did say completely full every time, every day. That's all I said to him. (laughs) But maybe you're, you're not there yet with us. Maybe you haven't worn out a pair of shoes here. You don't know. It's not home or, or family here to you yet. In chapter 29, we have a royal letter. Look at 29.1, which Tom did not read. Now, these are the words of the letter which Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the rest of the elders of the exile, the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So we have an ancient mail system. And Jeremiah has heard about some false prophets. And he wants to talk to the people in Babylon who've been captured from Jerusalem and talk to them about how to live between the now and the then. So someone carries a letter from Jeremiah. Jeremiah had received word that in Babylon there were false prophets telling the exiles, don't you worry, don't unpack your bags, don't undo those boxes, you're not going to be here long, don't buy houses, don't find jobs, Lord's going to take us back to the Holy Land. This is so temporary, I don't even want you to worry about it. They brought words of hope and peace and comfort to the exiles. They were all pleasant words. The problem was the words were a lie. God had not sent them. God had not sent those prophets. They were not speaking for the Lord. So the exiles, hearing these false prophets say, you're not going to be here long. Well, they made no effort to adjust the Babylon. They were putting all their eggs in the basket of the false prophet. They were counting on the false hope of going home soon. And finally, Jeremiah tells them in this letter, you're not going home anytime soon. 
Thus saith the Lord God Almighty, you're going to be here for 70 years. A lot of you are going to live your whole lifetime here. You need to think a lot differently about this. You need to become accustomed to where you are. You need to learn how to live between the now and the then. I know you're defeated. I know you're weary. I know that you want to get back to the homeland. But that's not the way things are going to be. You need to learn to live between now and then. It's not just the business of surviving. Jeremiah says to the exiles, you've got to start living. It's the old message of you must bloom where you're planted. You must do well right here in Babylon. Well, I want you to notice a few things, three things. First of all, the first word from Jeremiah to the exiles is face the facts. Face the facts. Things will never be the way they used to be, how you want them to be. It, things will never be as they once were, Jeremiah is saying to the exiles. Well, look at verses 8 through 10. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets who are in your midst and your diviners deceive you. And do not listen to the dreams which they dream. For they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. But thus says the Lord, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you and bring you back to this place. The first word from Jeremiah is, you need to face the facts. You're going to be here right where you are, most of you, for the entirety of your lifetime. You need to face the facts. You now live in Babylon. Throughout the, the prophecy of Jeremiah, the false prophets come. Chapter 23, chapter 27, chapter 28. They all have this seduction of religious fantasy. The exile's brief. It's not real. You're all going home. But Jeremiah says you need to face the facts. They didn't have a wicked message. It was a message of hope. But they had the wrong message. God has said, I did not send those prophets. They're simply telling you what you want to hear. I'm telling you, I'll come and bring you back in 70 years. Face the facts. Some of you here this morning Life will not get better between the now and the then until you face the facts. She has walked out on you. He has walked out on you. They are not coming back. The divorce is final. You must face the facts. You've contracted a disease for which there is no easy cure. Face the facts. There's a merger between your company and another company and someone's buying out and middle management and top management's in trouble. Face the facts. Your child has disappointed you once again and it doesn't seem like there's an easy fix. You may be here a while with this child. The exile may go on for a while. How do you live between the now and the then when God fixes it all? These are different, difficult words from Jeremiah. Face the facts. Everybody here this morning knows suffering. Everybody has a shortfall, a shortcoming. 
The great Scottish preacher Alexander McLaren used to say, be kind to everybody you meet because everybody you meet is fighting a battle. Be kind to everybody you meet because everybody you meet is fighting a battle. I want to give you a little test this morning. When we sit in a sanctuary like this and we look around, we, we think that everybody else beside our family has perfect lives, don't we? Or, or you're, you work at the bank, you think everybody else in the bank has a, a Pollyanna life. You think it's, it's a life of ease and breeze for everybody else but you. You don't know about that family. Or everybody at school, when you look around the room, you suppose all the other kids have it easy with their parents and their families but the old Scottish preacher is right. Everybody faces a battle. Now think about this. All the people upon whom you project the perfect life are people you don't know very well. Isn't that true? Once you get to know him and his story, you realize there's scars and blood all over him too, isn't there? The people that are perfect are the ones that you're projecting that picture upon because you simply do not know her well enough to know the battles that she faces. You ever learn something about somebody and you, you think life is so perfect for them and then you learn something and you go, I didn't know that about her. Well, bless, bless her heart. I, I had no idea. Her smile is from ear to ear every single Sunday. We think that everyone around us has no pain, a life of ease, and no health stress, and, and no financial worries or burdens. Well, if you think that about the person in the pew beside you, you don't know his story. You don't know her story. Everybody has a battle to face. Face the facts. It's easy to function when we think about the end being in sight. But we don't know when the Calvary's coming, when God is going to take us home, when we're not sure that the pain will ease tomorrow, it makes today so unbearable. Somehow we, we might be the very first generation of followers of Jesus. Somehow we've got it in our mind, this generation, that we shouldn't suffer that we shouldn't have a hardship. We shouldn't even be disappointed. Something is wrong if things don't go exactly like we have planned for things to go. Our medicine is advanced, and we got in our minds that we can cure anything, and technology just continues to grow exponentially. We think that we all should be wealthy, and in our minds, it is our generation which says, we live in a utopia. How could anything go wrong? How could that be broken? The reality is all worlds are broken, broken by Adam, broken by you, and broken by me. Suffering is part of the fabric of life. Yes, even for God's people, face the facts. Well, there's a second thing he says to them. First of all, face the facts, and then secondly, flourish in spite of the facts. Flourish in the face of the facts. Look at verse 5. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens. Eat their produce. Take wives and become fathers of sons and daughters. And take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands. They may bear sons and daughters and multiply and do not decrease. And seek the welfare of the city, Babylon, where I've sent you into exile. And pray the Lord on his behalf, for in his welfare you will have welfare. 
These are all imperative verbs if we were doing the grammar. Notice them. Build, live, plant, eat. You're going to be there for a while. Pray for Babylon to flourish. You are part of Babylon now. Build, live, plant, eat. You're going to have to practice your faith in the midst of Babylon. That's the way God has planned it for you for now. Jeremiah offers the exiles a a new attitude, a, a new perspective, how they should look at the situation of between the now and the then. Everything in life comes down to attitude and perspective, doesn't it? Get your bags unpacked, buy a house, plow the garden, plant the seed. Yeah, you'll be here when the harvest comes. Go ahead and put some in cans. You'll be here next year too. You're going to be here for 70 years. If you're in love, go ahead and get married. Don't wait and plan the wedding in Jerusalem. If you've got a daughter, go ahead and give her hand in marriage. And why, you need to learn to pray for the city of Babylon. Change your perspective about how you live between the now and the then. Life is filled, isn't it? With heroes who overcome, those who jump the hurdles of life to do great things despite their circumstances. We admire people like Louis Pasteur who Really, most of modern medicine is kind of built around this microbiologist and his research. And do you know at age 46, he had a debilitating stroke? It was a paralytic for the rest of his days, the one who invented modern medicine. Or we think about Beethoven who composed great music while he himself was was deaf. Or Milton who penned beautiful poetry while he himself couldn't see to write. He was blind. In our own day, Flojo, Jackie Joyner-Kersey who won three gold Olympic medals and she she suffered from asthma but decided she was going to be a track and field star anyway. Most of good things in life are accomplished by people who live in Babylon, people who live in exile. It is not perfect. If you've come here to First Baptist Church this morning and you think everybody else in the pew has it all together, you just don't know him yet. You don't know her yet. Flourish in the face of the facts. You can't wait until all is good and all is better and all is whole and all is perfect. You'll never do anything. Even in your Babylon, even where you are, in a strange culture amongst a strange people, you need to flourish in the face of the facts. Don't put your life on hold. Jeremiah says, roll up your sleeves. Get to the business of living. Stop window shopping and beginning to live with your own inventory. God never, ever in our lives condones our our treading water, our walking on the treadmill. No, he gives us command, build, plant, encourage your children to date, take out a mortgage, produce a garden. If you don't get married in Babylon, you'll never get married. Because you're going to be here for 70 years. God gives us all a set of circumstances, doesn't he? 
fact, I was, I was talking to one of our deacons this morning before we started the service. I don't suppose he really knew what the sermon was about, but the reality is every one of us who parents, we try to shield our children from the hardships we face. We try to protect our little ones. We want life to be perfect for him or, and life to be perfect for her. And the process of shielding our children from the struggles and the suffering and the hardships, we take away from them the Babylon that built our character. Do you see that? We rush in and we rescue and somehow we suppose we can take all the hard things out of her life, all the hard things out of his life, and he'll get it anyway. No, he won't. When you live in Babylon, it is a formational period for all of us. God gives us all a special field to till and to plant. Mine may have more rocks in it than yours, and your soul may be less rich than my soul. Who knows? But it's not my job to look over from my field over into your field and see what you have and how you're doing with what you've got. God will never, ever judge me based upon how I do with a field that he assigned to you to plant and till. God will always measure me by how I do with what God has entrusted to me. Some of you this morning feel like your, your field is Babylon. It's not home. It's not structured. It's not familiar. It's not warm. It's not loving. The Word of God come and says, accept where you are. Change your attitude and flourish in the face of the facts. Some of you, by watching by way of television this morning, you are paralyzed with problems. You are paralyzed with life. You're, you're sort of like the old frog, the bullfrog who's caught by the flashlight. You are just frozen at the brightness of the suffering before you. And you don't know what to do. You always think about life before Babylon. I remember when. Life before the divorce. Life before the merger. Life before the death. Life before the diagnosis. The word comes. We're all in Babylon. And Babylon is no excuse not to flourish. Jeremiah has given them a realistic word. Charlie Brown's sister, do you remember her? Everybody remember her name? Sally. Sally may have gotten it all right when she said in the cartoon, I think I've discovered the secret to life. You just hang around until you get used to it. Isn't that it? I think I've discovered the secret to life. You just get up another morning and it's not perfect and, well, you just go. You just hang around until you get used to it. Congregation this morning, the word of Jeremiah to each of us is this. We can write where we are, we can be bitter, or we can get better. We can be bitter, or we can get better. We can be paralyzed by our circumstances, or we can be propelled to do great things for God. Build, live, plant, and eat. Well, there's a final word. Have faith in the face of the facts. Have faith in the face of the facts. Jeremiah's word is a word of hope. Notice what he says in, in verse 10. 
For thus saith the Lord, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my my good word to you and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. I love that. We worship a listening God. You pray, I will listen. You will seek me, and you will find me. You will search me with all your heart, and I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will restore your fortunes, and will gather you from all the nations, and from all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place for where I sent you to exile. Despite the fact they lived in Babylon, they did not lose their faith. Listen to these verbs, call, come, pray, for I am listening, and I, Yahweh, will be found. A few years ago, a television producer made a documentary on what it's like to be told you have terminal cancer. Some of you have heard those words, hard, hard words. He arranged to have a hidden camera placed in the oncologist's office and later got permission from the patients telling them they had been filmed. And he recorded that moment when the doctor came in, the oncologist came in and said, you have terminal cancer. All of it was called on camera, the shock, the disbelief, the anger, and the terror. And on this particular episode, they were following the lives of three individuals who had learned about the terminal cancer. Two of them apparently had little or no faith. Their family lives were ruined by the diagnosis. The anger was there. The bitterness was there. The family began to withdraw from them, and it was brokenness and and bitterness. They finally came to the third individual, an African-American pastor in his late 60s who pastored a a very small inner-city church. The doctor came in and, and told the pastor the news You've got terminal cancer. You only have months to live. There was no outcry. There was no great anger. Patiently, the man and his wife asked the doctor what's next and how how it's going to play out. And he talked to them about treatment, the steps they would go through. And the camera followed them out to the car, and they sat down right there in their car. On the day they learned the pastor had terminal cancer, they recommitted their lives to Christ. The cameras arrived in the room, his little church, on his last Sunday to preach. He was open about his illness. He said, a number of you have asked, am I angry at God? Am I angry at God because of the disease that's been ravaging my body? I'm not mad at God. We live in a world that's cursed and fallen by sin and sickness, and death is just part of this whole broken world. I'm not mad at God. In fact, I love God today more than I ever loved God. Don't be sorry for me. I'm going to a place where there's no tears and no death and no sorrow and no heartache. Besides, said the old pastor, Jesus Christ died for our sins. Why shouldn't I share in his suffering too? And then he started singing with an old raspy voice, no piano, no accompaniment, an old song you've probably never heard before. Must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? No, there's a cross for everyone, and there is a cross for me. 
How happy are the saints above who once went sorrowing here, but now they taste unmingled love and joy without a fear. The consecrated cross I'll bear till death shall set me free and then go home my crown to wear, for there is a crown for me. He died before the next Sunday came around, was ushered into the presence of his Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. The 70 years were over. He had left Babylon and gone to Jerusalem. Face the facts. Flourish in the face of the facts. And let your faith not waver, but let your faith be strengthened by the facts. Because you never know. We might just be in Babylon for a while. Let us pray. Oh God, I know some watching by television, some in here in this room, Amarillo for her is Babylon. There's others who lived in Amarillo all their life and life has changed and the rhythm is broken. The predictability has vanished. And she too feels exiled. Father, I pray this morning we wouldn't listen to the false prophets who tell us we don't have a worry or a pain. Who listen to the words of the prophet sent by God, Jeremiah, who says, between now and then, you need to plant, build, eat, and marry. And Father, we thank you for those words of God that You spoke through Jeremiah when you said we can cry out and you will listen. We can seek you with all of our heart and we will find you. Perhaps there's someone here this morning who who needs to come and say yes to the lordship of Jesus Christ in his life or her life. To come say this is the day. I want him to hear my cry for a savior. Maybe there are others to come who feel called to be a part of this family of faith. I I pray should you call, they would come today too. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.